In this episode, I want to talk about how you can defend your groups from leaving you because of M&A activity. My name is Yafa Sakaja, and I'm the CEO of Beneplan. In Canada, we're experiencing a ton of groups, especially in the small and medium market, selling their businesses to other firms. And a lot of these firms are actually located in the U.S., so we've got cross-border activity. Um, You do have some activity within Canada, but we're having an increasingly amount of interest from U.S. purchasers. Why does this matter to you as a broker? Well, first of all, because M&A is always a risk for you losing a group, you need to be aware. Second of all, the way that companies buy and sell businesses right now, it's a very you know interesting time in history. There's a short period where you know interest rates are really low, debt is cheap. Um, in order for private equity firms to show better returns on the market, they they're some of them are leveraging their really cheap debt, purchasing other firms to get a really really high um, rate of return to beat the market because that's their job to beat the market. Um, and so this is really unique time in Canadian history. It could stop or it could continue. But number three, really, when you're defending a case from leaving you because of an M&A issue, it's a different kind of defense strategy than you're using than if you have internal politics. So I just want to dissect this for a minute and talk about just some of the stuff we've seen on our own block at Beneplan and how I've observed brokers defend with success when it's coming to M&A. Let's first talk about how the dynamics are vastly different than if you're defending a case with the regular political structure. So the regular political structure, the thing that you might see every day, is either you have a new plan administrator or plan sponsor at the company, such as a new HR manager, a new controller, or maybe even a new family member related to the owner, just somebody in that um, sphere of influence of the owner or the president and they, they're new and they want to show off. They want to flex. They want to say, hey, you know what? I'm bringing in all this great change and savings. I heard that people are complaining about the benefit plan and I'm going to look like a hero. You know, side note with the big asterisk, everybody always complains about their benefits because, you know, think of it like payroll. It's part of total compensation. It could always be better. If you're asking someone point blank, what do you think of your salary? Well, it could always be better. So anyways, there's that. Or, you know, the other typical political battle that you're going to see when trying to save your clients from leaving you is that maybe a friend of the owner, so it could be relationship-based, is approaching the owner and saying, hey, I can get you a better deal. And so the owner might be humoring or entertaining his friend because he wants to do them a favor. Maybe he's getting his arm twisted from his brother-in-law that just got newly licensed. And I've seen that happen a lot. And so in those situations, if it's emotion-based or if it's based on you know, feeling indebted or the reciprocity behavior and psychology in your own personal network, then that's a completely different reason and maybe a reason that will be very difficult for you to defend using logic than if you're on the other end of of an M&A deal. And I call it like the other end or the bad end, meaning your client is the target um, acquisition. So they're being purchased. Now, of course, it's always nice if you're the agent of record for the company that is buying another company However, I wouldn't sit tight there. You could also be a sitting duck because if the agent from the um, firm that's being acquired is actually really motivated and singing their own praises, I have seen times when that broker of that smaller company being purchased ends up AORing the entire deal, even the bigger account that you might have. So you need to really be wary on either side of these deals. So when you're looking at When you're looking at your email, you might get an email from a private equity firm directly saying, hi, um, we've been introduced from owner of ABC company, your client, 
and we have some questions. And so it's going to look very standard, but really what it's going to look like is they're shopping the plan. So they might say, hey, our consulting partner X and X might be one of those big, shiny benefits consulting brands, like the big houses, um, you know, they've got nice, beautiful towers downtown and they're, you know, their consultants all have MBAs. So they've got, you know, more expensive consultants working and they'll, but you know, the email will look the same as what you're used to seeing when they're shopping the market, which is we do need to see the last three renewals. We need to see the claims history. We want to know the funding method. And they might actually throw the book at you in terms of data request. It might be a huge Excel file saying, you know, we want to know every single line item, like what's the pension plan and what is the employee cost split? Like it's possible that you might have a hundred questions that you might have to answer. And so here, I think here's where a lot of brokers are paralyzed with fear. They're looking at this request and saying, first of all, I don't have time to do this. Second of all, if I give them all this information, I'm going to lose this account. Um, and so they, if you start to behave from a position of fear, meaning if you're sitting on the request and not giving it back within a week, two weeks, like honestly, that is not going to help you in the long run. What is going to help you is to have come from a position of confidence, come from an energy of abundance that, Hey, you've got lots of business and you're going to get a lot more business and you really couldn't care less if you lose this deal or not. You know, you don't want to be cocky or arrogant, but you want to be responsive. You want to respond as quickly as possible because the most important thing is to look professional. Remember, this is the new boss. So if you're looking unprofessional in front of the new boss, that is the first knock against you. And if you're defensive, then you're going to start building walls in that relationship instead of taking bricks down brick by brick. So number one, you know, I've got five tips here. The first tip is have confidence in yourself. All is not lost. You will be able to sing your own praises and keep the deal. You have to really blow your to your own horns <laughs> figuratively. You know, like how much have you saved them cumulatively over the years? Um, how much knowledge do you have? Who are your other clients that love you? So first of all, knowing that you have value and you are able to actually beat these other consulting firms, that's really, really, really important. So don't come from a position of desperation or fear or survival. Come from a position of strength. Number two, it's all about money. So when your existing customer, the owner of that business is selling their business, they're going to want to maximize the multiple of earnings on their business. What does that mean? So when you have a business on the income statement, on the financial statements, you've got the revenue and then you have the profit. So the profit might be called earnings and a multiple of earnings is just that. If somebody comes and says, I'm going to pay you three times your earnings for your business. So if your earnings are a million dollars, here's $3 million that that is an option. They might also offer um, a multiple of revenue. And, you know, really all of these deals are different. So it could be very different. But the key is that the purchasing firm um, is looking to create synergies because if they're handing over a check for $3 million, well, they're going to actually want to make sure that in their future environment, in their state, they can actually create synergies or savings whereby with them, it's not a million dollars of profit, it's $2 million of profit because they've got synergies. And so where could they potential find, potentially find synergies? In cost cutting. They might say, hey, we have this consulting firm for benefits that help us drive down our costs. And the more we aggregate, the more we bulk buy, the lower our rates will be. And we can probably do a better job negotiating than this small business. Well, yes and no, it really does depend on the money at the end of the day. So if you can really understand that and now also know the owner, like your existing client, the existing owner 
is motivated to help them find synergies as long as it doesn't affect them negatively. I mean, of course, you could find synergies by, you know, firing your accounting team because maybe the new company has an accounting team. And that might create some emotional resistance within the existing owner. They might say, wow, like I built my team from scratch and, you know, do I care about those people? But they, they might have much less loyalty to who runs their benefit plan. And so the owner is going to want to maximize their own buyout and they're going to want to help facilitate that process of looking for synergy. So, you know, don't look at your existing client to help you, like unless you've really forged an intimate, tight knit relationship with that person. And I have seen it. I have seen brokers stay, even though um, the target, you know, is different just because of that loyalty. But if you don't have that loyalty, you have to rely on money. So you're going to have to go back, look through all of your notes and start preparing a report that shows how much money you've saved them, how you're always hunting for every dollar and how even in the future, um, you are truly the lowest cost option period. And really private equity firms, this leads me to my third point, you know, private equity firms are going to be, you know, a lot more logical and strict in their decision. Again, they're probably not using their brother or sister as a broker to, to look at everything. They're just looking at the numbers. And at the end of the day, they're very shrewd business people. The numbers will speak volumes. So I have seen brokers who thought they were about to lose the case, win it over because they literally highlighted, you know, in my environment, you're going to save $100,000 a year, especially if you combine not just this company, but all the other companies that you're working with. Um, number three, you're going to have to impress the new owners. So talk their talk, walk their walk. So if they're saying, we don't want to meet, we want to have a call, follow their lead. Don't try to bring this back to, you know, old school methods of being an advisor, like sitting down, having coffee, shooting the shit, talking about where they like to go on the weekends. But if they start talking that way and they want to do that, then absolutely follow the leader, follow their method and behave that way. Um, if they're talking numbers, talk numbers. If they're not talking numbers, don't talk numbers. If they're talking about growth strategies and how to actually attract and retain talent because maybe they're on a growing spree, well, then you need to talk about that. Like, you know, there's this expression I've heard, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So if all you know is how to save money and they're talking about growing the business and acquiring talent, don't just talk about saving money nonstop. Like, yes, you have to save money, but you also have to say, wait a minute, is your existing benefit plan preventing you from absolutely competing with the best talent out there. So that's how you need to talk as well. Um, and then lastly, you need to polish up your presentation materials. Private equity firms and other you know, types of firms that buy companies, they're very, um, you know, they're very advanced in terms of how they are presenting materials. And so if you're used to, you know, a PDF document that you print off, you staple, um, you drive over to your client and you hand it to them, you know, this new firm is probably more polished. They might want to see other types of materials. They might balk at the fact that you're bringing paper to a meeting. They might think, who are you? Are you living in, you know, like the last century? So some of the tools that I've seen brokers use with success in cases like these are tools like Quiller. So Q-W-I-L-R. Quiller is an online, you know, sales presentation tool where that can integrate in with the G Suite. So Google sheets, you know, if you have a spreadsheet, you can pull it in, it integrates with, um, you know, video sharing sites, it integrates with DocuSign. So I think that's a really great thing. Um, there's other tools like Prezi or even even Keynote, if you're using a Mac, 
I mean, you don't need to go and buy a new Mac, but I'm just saying, try to understand, you know, what sphere they're coming from and try to meet them there. Um, that's all for today. I think as we continue to watch the M&A landscape unfold, we'll hopefully come back with some more tips. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. And if you have any feedback, please reach out to us at beneplan.ca or on social media at beneplan.ca. Thanks for listening.